You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. Mark chapter 2 is where we are at today, starting in verse 13. Um, let's read this together, then we're going to walk through some things that I find just really exciting um, about who our God is. Our theme, of course, for the book of Mark is the gospel of Mark, Jesus is. And the gospel of Mark, like we've talked about before, is this 16 chapters of just who Jesus is. He shows himself in very powerful, awesome ways. And every week we get to see a little bit of a different view of who Christ is. And I think as Christians, we should kind of be able to know who Christ is and what he really means to our lives. So as we're walking through this, Jesus is Mark chapter two, verse 13. And he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And he passed by and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and the disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they had saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but, uh, but those who are sick, I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this a lot of times. I think we miss some of the big picture of what's actually being said here. Um, the first question that we ask is we have this character, Levi, who is this Levi guy? Um, if you, if you look at this chapter, Jesus just heals the paralytic. He had healed the leper. Um, He preaches in Galilee. He heals many. Jesus is doing all these healings, these crazy things. And then we see this guy named Levi. Levi, we know him today as disciple Matthew, in case you were confused. I've never heard Levi. I don't know what your church background is. Levi is Matthew, the disciple that we know and love. Um, Maybe you don't love him. Well, you will sometime. Hopefully. I love him. He's awesome. Anyway, Levi, we we see this picture of him here in verse... Verse 14, and he passed by and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth. Now, that might not give you the full picture of what's really happening here. He's not at Walmart at the H&R Block little kiosk getting his taxes done. He is Levi, a Jew, under Rome, getting money from Jews for Rome. He is working the tax booth. This is Matthew, the tax collector. Make sense? Are you guys following me? This is Levi. He's not just chilling at a tax booth, hanging out, talking to the guy working there. He is working the stand. Levi, Matthew, is hated by his people. He's hated by Jews. Um, I can't think of a specific... In a lot, I'm a movie guy, and I just remember, like, in a lot of movies, you'll see, like, the main character and, like, his friend go to the dark side type of thing. And, like, you know what I'm talking about? There's, like, a higher force. That's what Levi is. Levi is the guy who's supposed to be your buddy, but he's working for the bad guys because the bad guys are so big that he's afraid to stand up to the bad guys. So he's, you, you know what I'm talking about? That's Levi. He's hated by these people. And Jesus walks up to him, and he says, come follow me. And so he rose and he followed him. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus having the power over human hearts. And once again, we see this. Jesus simply says, come follow me. And Levi's like, okay. Levi gets up and follows him. I like what it says in Luke chapter 5 when we see the same story. It says, and he left everything behind. This isn't like Levi's like, hmm, this tax collector thing, uh, I'll take a vacation from it, see what Jesus is all about. I've got to go to a retreat with Jesus. 
He leaves it all behind. He leaves his career, his, his chosen method of life behind because Jesus says, look, you're despised, you're rejected. I want you to follow me. I see something in you. I want you to follow me. Jesus is already, we just, we walked through some, Jesus heals many is the little title that my Bible says that the chapter before. Jesus is building a reputation and he looks at Levi and he says, I want you with me. I want you with me. To me, I think that in itself is a pretty awesome story because he looks at Levi, the one who is hated by his own people, and Jesus, as a Jew, says, come, come, come with me. So what is Levi's response to this? Levi's response is to throw a party. He gets, he gets everybody at his house, all his friends. They're all there, and they're hanging out. And I, I like when you do a little study, it says in verse 15, and as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners, they just group the two right together, tax collectors and sinners. If you are a tax collector, sorry, it doesn't, today's culture, it doesn't mean you are naturally a sinner. You might be. Um, well, you are a sinner. Everybody's sinners. But that doesn't qualify you as a branch of sinners being a tax collector. But in this day and age, tax collectors was associated with sinners. You were, you were, not, you were not looked at well. Um, and Jesus, they're all together, and it says reclined. I was looking into this word reclined. It recli- reclined, that word actually, it shows that there was a, a, it was a, a position of friendship. It wasn't like they're at a group meeting waiting for Jesus to like, figure out who this guy is. They're at their house and they're in friendship with Jesus. The commentators were talking about it's, not, it's a position of trust. It's a position of like, this guy's not some guy i got to impress. This is the guy that I want to be in friendship with. I think that's pretty amazing in itself that Jesus' response to this guy is that he goes and he gets other sinners with him and they sit at a place in friendship with Christ. The guy who is the holy one, this one walking around making, having all these miracles and they sit at a place with friendship with him. Maybe that speaks to you, maybe it doesn't, but it does to me. That there's something about Christ that we get to have a place of friendship with him. So naturally, we, we, as we walk through this, we see in the next verse, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw this, that, that he was eating in sinners, with sinners and tax collectors, they said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, the religious leaders, they didn't understand this. This is the guy that's claiming to be something. He's claiming to be Messiah. He's claiming to be the one. He's causing an uproar. He's doing all these miracles, and yet you see him sitting down and eating and drinking with the worst. You didn't see scribes and Pharisees sitting down hanging out with the worst. They were righteous. They were holy. They were separate. And here Jesus, the one who says he's righteous and holy, is not separate. He's with them in a place of friendship. I was talking to a, a co-worker um, recently who very religious background, and he was talking about certain people and how God would never associate with those kind of people and uh, because he's holy. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. I said, I completely agree with you that God is holy, that he's righteous. There's no, there's no fault in God. 100%, fine. There's nothing wrong. But you, the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. Your best days, your good days are disgusting and full of filth. And I said to him, I said, so you're saying God won't associate with them because of their filth, but yet he associated with you and looks at you as righteousness despite of your filth. 
This is the Jesus that we see in Mark. This is the, right off the bat. And the religious leaders in their righteousness, in their, in their religion, look at Jesus associating with filth and, and go to his disciples. What's up with, what's up with this guy? He, he's claiming to be better than us, but yet he's with, worse than us. It, it doesn't... You guys see in the, their logic is trying to figure out if I'm supposed to be holy and righteous and he's saying he's holy and righteous, why, why is he able to do this? Why, why is this allowed to happen? They're trying to trip him up. And Jesus' response is just absolutely amazing. Verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I come not to call the righteous but the sinners. Jesus associates himself with this physician, with a doctor. If you're sick, you need a doctor. I don't, I don't does somebody have weird, weird past with doctors? I don't, I don't know what you think of when you think of a doctor. Some people might like love, my kids love the doctor for some reason. It's, we, we drive through Dixon City and my, my daughter's two and she will see the pediatric sign. We're going to Walmart. She's like, can we go to the doctors? Get a sticker? No, we're not going to the doctors right now. We are going to Walmart. We got groceries to get. She's, she loves that. For some reason, in her mind, doctors equals awesome. Me, when I think of doctors, I remember the time where I sit in the waiting room for about two hours. I think of the medical bills later on. I think of um, pain because I'm usually in pain when I'm there. I don't think of this as, this is the guy, this is the great place. This is what I want to spend my weekends doing. Haley and Faith would spend all weekend at the doctors if they could. Like just checking out the stethoscope, telling them about their day. As long as they get stickers at the end of the day, they're, they're happy. Like I'm at the, like the checkout thing where you got to make sure your insurance is good. And they're like, they're not even in line. Where she got the stickers? I'm like, Faith, calm down. She will find you a sticker. Hey, do you have stickers? Oh, she's got stickers. You got got stickers. It's awesome. Next time you go to your doctor... Ask him for a sticker. He'll probably look at you a little strange. So, I remember being in college, and I was still on my parents' insurance. This is a side note. This has nothing to do with the gospel, Mark. It's just a weird story. I'm like 20 years old, and I'm at the pediatrician still. That's a weird day. Like, you're sitting on the, the little tiny stools, you know, they get about this high, watching Barney. It's great. Um, that's, that's a weird day. And then they get, you know, they get a shot because you have to get shots for, for some reason at the time I did. And it's like Garfield st- sticker, a Garfield Band-Aid. That's, that's a lot. Then you go back into the college class and you got Garfield right here. It's, it's a bad day. Anyway, the doctors, I don't know what you think of when you think of the doctor. And Jesus says, the righteous don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I think of I, recently, this is my most recent, well, not my most recent. When you have kids, you're at the doctors a lot. It's, it's a lot going on. But when we had the I Heart Scranton thing, we... Uh, if anybody remembers, Haley all of a sudden broke out in this insanity rash. I don't even know what. The doctors didn't even know what it was. She's in this rash, and she's just miserable. And so my wife takes her to the doctor, and this is what our doctor says. Yeah, it could be a reaction. It could be an allergy. Your guess is as good as mine. When my daughter comes home, and she's crying miserable, and my wife tells me that the doctor said, your guess is as good as mine. I flipped out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I was flipping out because my daughter's in pain. And I'm like, who does this doctor think he is? He needs fired. I'm calling. Your guess is as good. I'm mad. I'm mad. My daughter's in pain. It made me angry. I'm like, your guess is as good as mine? What? 
what are we paying you for? Like, I could have, I, I guessed. That's the problem. I'm guessing at this. I'm not paying you to guess like I just guessed. And then say, I'll continue her own Benadryl. Thanks. I got that off the commercial for Benadryl. Like, I don't need your opinion on that. Then, like, two days later, she's still miserable. I'm like, you know, I'm taking her to the doctor. I go to the doctor, and he walks through, like, all the things. Well, we could do this test, but really that wouldn't help. So your guess is as good as mine. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you, doctor. And I walked out of there. I, feel, I felt more confident for some reason when he explained that my guess was as good as his. It, somehow it worked. I don't know. And she got better miraculously, like, two days later. I don't Your guess is as good as mine. I have no clue what it was. I still don't. But it was insane. So those of you who have seen pictures, it was creepy. Um, but, like, the doctor provokes this, like, strange instinct in us. And here Christ is, and he, we've heard him described as the great physician over and over. And Jesus says, the sick need a healer. That's, that's why I'm here. See, Jesus doesn't just show us possibilities and say, you know what? Your sickness, your guess is as good as mine. He gives us a cure. That's who our Jesus is. He, he's the physician that gives us a cure. He reveals the problem, and then he comes to our need, and then he doesn't charge us for it. His diagnosis is perfect, and he just reveals the sickness at our hearts. He reveals what's going on because he is the great physician. He just gives it to us the way it's supposed to be, and he makes us whole without us having to pay the bill at the end. That should excite somebody. It excites me. I don't have to pay the bill for him to look at me and say, this is what the problem is. This is how I'm going to fix it. Don't worry about it. I wish every doctor in Scranton was like that. Like, come on in. I got the magic cure. Don't worry about a bill. It's on me. That's a physician. What a physician that we have in Christ. At first glance at this, though, this can really get a little confusing for some of us. If we just glance at this once. Because it says, Jesus says this, And when he heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. At first glance, you can say, well, there, this is Jesus saying that some people don't need him. Some people don't need a doctor. That's not quite what he's saying. And I, I want to expand on this. Um, see, a doctor can't help people who don't recognize that they need help. When was the last time that you were, like, not quite feeling well, and your doctor called you and informed you that you were sick and he has the magic pill for you? Anybody's doctor that? Because I want that doctor. Hey, you're going to be sick next week. Um, just so you know, you don't realize this, but you have this. That doesn't happen. We recognize there's a part in us that says, you know what, I'm sick. i got to call the doctor. Because then you actually go to the doctor, and then you, he's, he, you allow him to do what he needs to do. Have you ever met that guy who just refuses to go to the doctor? Like, he just refuses. He, I mean, he's clearly sick. Like, something is clearly wrong, and he won't admit it. Like, maybe you're that guy. Get over yourself, please. Um, when I was in, I was a little younger, and I remember this guy in our church. Like, he was, like, in the 70s or something, and he was blind, completely blind. And I found out why he was blind. He was blind because he got a tooth infection. Or at least this is the story that I'm told. This could be completely impossible, but... I'm telling you today as truth because it's the way it was told to me by my mom. And she is right all the time. Um, don't question my mom. Um, she told me he was sick or he had a tooth infection. 
and he refused to go to the dentist about it, refused to let, do anything. And the infection began to spread until it got into whatever's back in your eyes, I don't know, and it made him blind. I brushed my teeth a lot after I heard that story. I'm not going blind off, off of teeth problems. It's just, if you have teeth problems today, don't go blind. Go, go, I don't know if that was possible. But I, I, it sounds possible. It sounds logical to me. Go to the doctor. But you know that guy who just refuses, like clearly, my mom actually did this like two years ago. She was having hip problems. Like my mom would like, she looked horrible. Like just when she was walking, like something was just moving the wrong way. She wasn't trying to dance or be a model. It was like clearly looked painful. And it was like six months. I'm like, mom, see a doctor, see a doctor. Finally, my dad's like, see a doctor. Now she's walking fine. Like, don't be that person to refuse a doctor. But the doctor can't heal you unless you recognize, I need help. We see this made a little bit clearer in Matthew's own account of this. We're reading Mark's account of this story. Matthew chapter 9, we see Matthew's version of this. And I love this. He adds something here that Mark and Luke leave out. He says this in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 9. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. He's talking, he's talking to the Pharisees, the scribes of the Pharisees. He says to them, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I come to call the righteous and the sinners. When he says, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This is Hosea 6 chapter Chapter 6, verse 6, where it actually says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And that whole chapter, Hosea chapter 6, is when Israel and Judah refuse to acknowledge that they have sinned against God, that they're wrong, and that they're in rebellion. Jesus looks at the Pharisees. He looks at the scribes and says, go figure out what this means. I'm not worried about your performance. I'm not worried about your offerings. I'm not worried about your, your duty. I'm worried about my mercy. I'm worried about you knowing God. That's what I'm worried about. He tells them, you need to figure this out. You're missing the point. To tell, I love how he says it. Go figure this out. Go, that's, that's bold. That's a bold statement when you're talking to somebody. Yeah, go figure this out, Einstein. That's pretty much what he's saying. You're missing the point. It's like, Jesus, what he's doing right here is like telling a construction guy, hey, go, go figure out what a hammer is. Because these are the scribes. These are the guys who know Hosea. These are the guys who have been writing it out. And they've missed the point. They're missing the point. He's saying, look, it's not about your performance, your righteousness, your offerings, your sacrifices. It's about I desire mercy and I desire you to know me. That's our God. That's who Jesus is. It's not that he's saying, hey, you know what? I don't need to heal you because you're righteous. He's saying, no, you think you're righteous. You're missing the point. I can't heal you because you're refusing to come to the doctor. You're refusing to see that you're sick. You're missing the point. Classic case, missing the point. I think what Jesus says, though, to them is something that we all struggle with. Because what he's essentially saying is that You've built your righteousness. You think you're righteous because of your performance, but you're really not. Your works didn't get it for you. You can't earn this thing. You've got to still come to the doctor here. It's something we struggle with, the idea of not being able to do, do enough to like build our own righteousness, to build our own security, to build our own sense of worth before God. We struggle with that, the idea that it's just something we've got to go to him for. 
I was thinking about this, and I was reminded of, of uh, high school. Um, and I had this teacher, some of my friends here, some of our leadership had the same teacher, Mr. Elgrismo. He was about seven foot tall. He was a dairy farmer. He had like 100 kids. He was a giant. He was awesome. I'm, I'm kind of building him up a little bit. But he did have a lot of kids, didn't he? Like, he had eight. Okay, he had eight kids. If you have eight kids, awesome. Your family's cool. That's a lot for me. I have two, and that's just enough right now. So anyway. But Mr. Elgrisma, he taught a lot of things. And he wasn't one of your typical teachers that was like a by-the-books teacher. You know, I've had those by-the-books teacher, and I've also had Mr. Elgrisma and a few other ones who were kind of like him. But I remember being in um, one of my math classes. I don't know if it was geometry. I think it was geometry or pre-calc. I had him for the same things. And um, I remember the thing about Mr. Elgrisma is that um, if I say Mr. E, it's cause it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying the word mystery. It's Mr. E, okay, there we go. Mr. E, that's what we called him. The thing about him that I will always stick in my mind is that he'd be teaching me geometry, which I was great at math until you started, like, there was no more math involved. It was more letters and sentences. I'm like, this is not math anymore. Like, a, a proof? This was actually a, about a proof. I'm sitting in, taking a quiz in his class, and the last question on this thing was, why does proof whatever really work for, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember the details, I'm not a math guy, clearly. Um, but I remember looking at this question and being like, I don't even know what it's talking about. And I was big in the WWF wrestling back at the, that time, so kind of, I was coming out of that stage, I grew out of it, like some people do. Um, just, just kidding, Jimmy, we love you, it's awesome. Um, Kidding. There's still a wrestler inside of me somewhere. I just hide him a lot because I'm a man. Anyway, um, <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, and I remembered, I'm taking this quiz, and what popped in my head, like, I knew I had no idea. And for some reason, a little bit of wrestling and a little bit of sarcasm popped into my head. I'm like, I'm not going to get this answer right anyway. So I wrote, because Mr. E says so, and that's the bottom line. That's what I put For that question, I'm like, I have no clue. I'm just writing it down. I get the quiz back, 100%. He gave me full credit for that. Full credit. That's a true story. Mr. E, though, in other quizzes that I had, I'd get to, like, questions that were real math questions with, like, numbers and stuff. And I'd be like, I'm not quite sure. Like, I remembered, like, parts of this. And I'd actually, I was the only guy to do this. I would walk up to him during a quiz and be like, can you rephrase this for me? Um, what, what, is, what is this? Uh, and so this is what he would, I'm not making this up. He would take my test, my quiz. He would say, hey, now what's the first thing we do with this? And I'd be like, uh, this. And he's like, yeah. And then he'd start writing out the, the problem, do the full work, like the full work on my paper, slightly erase it, but I could still see. <laughs> then I'd just go back and just trace it. Like... <laughs> I'm holding it up to the light, making sure I got the right angles and stuff. And I would get full credit for it. Because he wasn't worried about me being able to regurgitate things. He was worried about me coming to him for the answers and recognizing that we could walk through this together. We could figure it out. I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm not worried about you repeating the things. I'm worried about you recognizing that you don't know, but I do. And that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to just go, Mr. E, you're a genius. It's okay for me to go, God, you know what? You, you've got this figured out. I can't do this. 
you're going to have to heal me because I cannot on my own remove this sin from my life. You're going to have to penetrate my heart in ways that I can never do. You're going to have to reveal some answers to me that I can't figure out on my own. This is who our God is. This is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, you know what, you guys are good. You scribes and Pharisees are good. He's saying, you're missing the point. I want to illuminate something, and these people are letting me do it. These people are reclined in a place of friendship because they trust me enough to reveal myself to them, my love for them. I want to be in that position saying, God, I recognize that I am completely messed up, and I'm just putting myself in a place of friendship with you. Figure this out because I can't do it. This is our God this morning. I, I, I hope you feel that I'm excited. Let's look at Matthew again. We looked at who Levi was. The cool thing is after this story, he's not called Levi anymore. He's called Matthew. And if you look at it, Matthew, Matthew's birth name, Levi, it suggests that he belongs to the tribe of Levi. He's a Jew. He's, it suggests that he was part of this culture. His very name referred to the Levitical priests. Now, the Levitical priests, if you, if you don't understand... These were the only ones that could be the priests. They were the spiritual leaders of Israel. They were the spiritual leaders of the Jews. His name says that. Every day is a constant reminder of the heritage to be a spiritual leader. And what is Matthew doing? The opposite of that. He's working for the other team. He's hated and despised by the Jews. He's in no position of leadership. And Jesus looks at him in his place and says, come follow me. Jesus looks at him, and the rest of the time you see him called Matthew, and Matthew means a blessing of the Lord, like a gift from God. He receives this new name. See, Matthew is the furthest thing from a spiritual leader. He's hated and he's despised by religious leaders. And now, now Matthew, when he's had this encounter with Christ, his whole personality has shifted. He's received this blessing from the Lord, and we know Matthew now as the author of the first book in the New Testament. You can't get, be much more of a spiritual leader than that. You can't have a bigger change than that. See, Matthew recognized that he needed a great physician, and he got it. See, when we respond and we are healed by the great physician, our life is transformed as a gift from God to become the very thing that we were created to be. The destiny that we couldn't reach it on our own. Matthew, in his own strength, was nowhere near being a spiritual leader. Christ comes and gives him a gift from God, and now he is the spiritual leader. He's the author of the book of Matthew. Do you see the transformation that happened here? Do you see what happened? When, when he says, come follow me, there is something that was provoked in his heart where he left it all behind and his life was changed. And he was able to live the calling that his first name originally said about. He was able to live up to that. See, this morning I want to encourage you that God, Jesus isn't concerned. He's not concerned with the friends that you associate with or the other parties you've been to or the promises you've made and the, and the ones that you've broken. He's not amount, worried about the amount of people you've hurt, the ways you've cheated, stolen, lied. He's not worried if you've abused people or if you're the one that's been abused. The people that you've been with, he's not worried about the fact that you haven't lived up to your parents' expectations your own expectations, or your friend's expectations. He's not worried about any of that. He only cares that you recognize that he is the great physician, the one who forgives, the one who heals, who restores. And we see in Scripture that he makes all things new.
this is our great physician. This is who Jesus is. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God and not your burnt offerings. We said, Jared spoke in Psalms 101. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my disease. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. This morning, we're going to go into communion here. And maybe you're one of the two. Maybe you're the religious one that, that separates yourself from those who are broken. You're like, you know what, I can't associate with them. I've got to do this thing. I've got to, I've got to be righteous enough. I've got to figure this thing out. Maybe you've built your dependency on your own ability to stay clean or pure or however you want to word it. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point of this. Don't miss the point. Or maybe you're, you recognize that you are horribly broken. That you're horribly broken. You ever have one of those weeks? I had moments this week where I recognized, God, I am completely clueless. clueless. My wife was out of town and my kids were sick. I recognized, God, I am completely clueless. You're trying to figure this thing out. You're trying to stay clean. Or maybe you realize that I am completely broken. And the good news is that Christ is a physician for both. He's the one that heals and restores.